Hi, and welcome to Transvox, our very first episode. And we're very much looking forward to um, spending some time with you today. And as I said uh, on a previous episode, we're here sponsoring and working and finding collections of donations for our nominated charity. And uh, that charity, Jenny, is what? It's called Beyond Reflections, providing support and counselling for trans people and their families um, and the community. Brilliant. Really important charity. Um, now, my name's Gillian, as I said once before, and um, in front of me sits Jen. Hi, I'm Jenny. Great. And uh, the purpose of this is, um, I think, as we said on the original episode, is that I'm at the beginning of my trans journey. Jenny is all accomplished and unusually for a trans person. <laughs> um, f- 15 years, I think you said, Jenny. When did, when did you transition? It is, 50, it is in 50s. I like the idea of being accomplished because I'm not always sure about that but um <laughs> i didn't say organized i said accomplished <laughs> fair enough I'll, I'll go with i'll go with that then but uh um yeah it's been 15 years now so yeah so we just thought it'd be a brilliant idea to have someone like jen to help someone like me in my journey and obviously there's going to be different people like me at different stages all the way through but we intend to have other people joining us to talk about the, the this world because it's a tricky old world mm. and um what we want to do is spend some time asking each other questions and answers. We're going to talk a bit about what's in the news. And uh, sometimes we'll have different voices on as well. So we're very much looking forward to it. So, Jenny, the question of the day to get us started is this. I'm just beginning to transition. And I find it's very, very difficult to go out in public. I find there's a lot of fear going on with the whole process. So um, so I find I have to be trans in some situations, but not trans in other, okay? And so yeah. an ally recently accused me of being not trans enough, not really trans. And so I just wondered if we could start there by just describing a little bit about what being trans is. And, and then in your own experience, you know, how would you respond to this sort of person? Because I didn't really have an answer, I have to be honest. No, I don't. I really don't like the phrase "not trans enough." I, I would, I, I would, I would object to that. We're a community, and we are all as trans as we need to be. You know, we are all trans enough. But I think it's. I think that's. I think that's very interesting. There's a. There's a sort of strict definition that I use when people ask to define trans, and it's around people whose gender identity, expression, or behaviour is different than their assigned sex at birth. But that's a bit. That's a bit dry. Um, and you know, I, the way I talk about it. Uh, it's an innate sense of who you are, Mr. Trans. So my innate sense of who I am is as a woman. And, you know, I knew that from as a girl from a very young age. Yeah. Um, so it's, an, it's that an innate sense of who you are that may be different as how society and everybody initially sees you. Or, or as in, in, our case, in my case, in our case, is how we were brought up, really. Yeah. And, um, and um, you know, and, and uh, there was a point in my life where I needed to be who I am. I needed to live who I am. Um, and that has been the last, uh, since 2015. So, yeah. So re- but, remembering back then, right to that very beginning mm-hmm. thing, you made the decision, you'd, you'd figured that out. How did you start? Because I think in 15 years ago, didn't you have to do the real life test? No, no, ah. no. It's, it's really interesting. So um, I think things are slightly different now. Uh, things have moved on. So in 2015, it's very interesting. I, I spent, look, I, I would have mid-30s. I'd spent a lot of my life trying to to conform, to fit in, 
um, those life parts. There was absolutely nobody would had any idea that I was trans. There was nobody would have thought in any way that I uh, realized that I was a woman. They wouldn't. But circumstances in my life led to me at a point where I suddenly find I was able to start thinking about actually living and being authentic. I'd never thought it was possible. I was thought I'm too tall, too big a lump. How am I ever going to be accepted? Never thought that. But I came to, I just came to a point and it was really weird little things that, that happened actually that started me off on that journey that gave me that spark of confidence. I remember, I'd, it sounds weird, I'd managed to have, we'd had a separate office where, where I work that was that I could stay in after after work and do a bit extra work and whatever. Mm. And I managed to, and I was living with somebody at the time, so I couldn't do this at home. I managed to think, I wonder what it'd be like if I had a wig, because it was the one thing I'd, I'd tried to express myself really privately as a woman and done all that growing up, right? Nobody knew what this was all that big secret behind me, right? Yeah. And I remember I ordered a wig and I went to deliver to work. And I put that wig on. And I remember this now. It was after I was off in the office at six o'clock. I put this wig on and I looked at myself and I cried. It's the um, first time. And I didn't look right, but the first time I saw myself actually how I could be. Yeah. And I'd you know, and I'll be honest, I look back on pictures now, I thought I probably thought I looked dreadful. But I, it was a it was a it was a turning point. Um did a bit of makeup, not even very good. Saw myself and thought, I could I be, you know, could I actually make yeah. this work? Because mm. I'd never thought it possible. And I and, and from that moment I did that first step out. I got in the car and went for a drive around and did a drive through. That was my first step in public. Wow. Tiny steps, because I was terrified. I mean, yeah. I was just thought there's no way that I'm going to be able to accept it. Not not with, you know. So yeah. what were you terrified of? Because I have this terror and 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 it's quite hard to put your finger on what you're terrified of. And I well, think there's I a, uh, no, sorry. No, I was going to say there's like a there's like a a being noticed, B being found out, B through C being humiliated, but also there's this general environment at the moment of quite hostile, you know, I sort of relations with the press and everybody else. So I just that, wondered what was your sort of thought? That's really interesting because I think in some ways it's more difficult now yeah. because of the press. So in 2005, I think we we're at quite a sweet spot where people were starting to understand trans equality inclusion you know we started to talk about it uh, yeah. in the work i do and things it was starting to be so there was a, you know um i'm part of the trade union movement um, and, and within that we were talking about trans inclusion it was starting to become but also people didn't seem to care that much either so in terms of the fear of um what we see in the media that i can understand why it's terrifying at the moment that wasn't there i think the fear for me was am i going to just going to be ridiculous how am my family going to accept that my mum and dad at the time i had my relationship had broken down so i hadn't got anybody else i hadn't got a family in that respect yeah to her because there's a part of me it's really interesting i say this and i think people go a bit weird when i say this in many ways transitioning is a selfish act because it is about yourself it's about yeah. nobody else there was nobody in my life saying you you need to transition jenny Yes, it, it was purely for me. And that's not instinctive. I'm not being noble. That's instinctively not who I was yeah. because I didn't want to hurt people. And I was worried it'd hurt my mum and dad just yeah. because they would, you know, they're a different generation and things. So those were the fears could ever be accepted, would ever just be laughed at and ridiculed. Um, those are the things um, that I was fearful of. Um, but I also felt driven. I, I knew that 
once I'd seen myself, had that wig and thought, this is who I am. This is really who I am. Um, and I, you know, and that's, I think that spark was there. And I think there was an inevitability about a momentum at that mm. point, but I was scared. I was absolutely scared. And I wasn't facing what you're facing at the moment, Jill, which I can understand why is terrifying is seeing mm. all the, uh, the hostility in the main, in, in the media, some of the hostility in the media. Um, I, 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 I wonder whether I would have been as brave if, if it was now, if an artist. Yeah. There's part of me that worries that I would not. And I think what's interesting about what you're saying about your experience is that actually it's very similar to mine, funnily enough. But um, it's interesting that your item was a wig. That was the, the thing. And I yeah. think we all have our own individual item, don't we? That sort of seems to trigger as some sort of catalytic, big response. Can't say that yeah. word. Um, so that's fascinating. But I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this idea that you had this revelation. So what actually happened when you, what happened when the wig went on? What was the, what actually was, happened I, inside of it? Do you think? It was, I, 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 I it's really hard to, to co find because I'd obviously I've been dressing and expressing myself in secret dressing, but I'd never seen my face. So I'd, I'd managed to put a bit of makeup on and a bit of powder, a bit of makeup and I put the wig on and it obviously changed. It had such a dramatic change to the, yeah. to my face as what I saw. Look, I'm, uh, there was no out on. Wow, you're you're beautiful, Jenny. It's not that, but I saw I saw somebody that I saw. Yeah. No, Jenny, you, you're a woman. That's who you are. It, it's really hard to the, uh, describe. The only other the only other thing related to that is, I guess, as a, a child, the first time I expressed myself by secretly dressing in women's yeah. girls' clothes, which yeah. I think a lot of us done at the age of ten. Yeah. I'm thinking this feels right to me, but I don't know why. Yeah. It was a, it was, um, it was a revelation. I, I do remember crying because it was, I looked at myself and thought, could I do this? And it was that hope that suddenly I got that I hadn't, I'd, I'd, I'd buried. I thought I'm never going to be able to do this. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to live who I authentically really who I am. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it was Mark a sort of, about. so was well, it sort of release or something or like a liberation? It was, it was, it was, it was at the same time a release, but also a bit exhilarating in terms of exciting what the future girl, but also that's what was scary because yeah. up to that point, I'd never considered I was going to be able to do it. I right. never thought I would because I just thought it was too, yeah, too hard. I, my brain, that was too ridiculous an idea for you to do that, Jenny. Yeah. You know, the only, you know, I just thought it was too ridiculous. So the, there was that, it was like, oh my God. And then I thought, well, what if I do that? What, what hold ahead? And it was then step by step. There's lots of steps in that initial, um, um, and but that it was that ability to order a wig and have it delivered and have somewhere where I could exp experiment and find myself that yeah. was a, a spark at 35, yes. even though I, I knew who I was from the age of 10. Yes, and I think it's 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 funny, isn't it, when you talk to many of us, uh, and I do because of some of the work I do. There is a common narrative, isn't there, about something happens at the age of nine or ten. There seems to be something there now. Lots of people, lots of children try on women's clothing at the age of nine or 10, and they don't go on to transition. They don't have gender dysphoria or whatever the phrase is today. Uh, they don't have that need. So it's a natural, obviously, it's a natural part of growing up to experiment, but it seems to trigger something in the person who may well go on to become trans. So it is quite interesting, you know, when you look at some of the research on whether people know who they are at the age of eight, nine, 10. Whether we should I, take I a mean, bit more notice of that research, do you know what I mean? 
I think we should. I mean, I hear different stories. Some people is younger, and some people are. I don't think it. I think it's it's about individuals. I I can just I, the reason I sort of say, say nine ten is I remember that time at school of being absolutely certain in my mind who who I was innately, but couldn't express that. Yeah. I couldn't tell anybody that, so I, I just felt shameful because yeah. um, it was why am I this for nobody else? Now, um, now you hit hitting on the shame now, and I think that's interesting because a lot of us hit on shame, don't we? And then we almost go out of our way to prove we're men. So a lot of there's a lot of people who joined the army, and there's a yeah. lot of people who've gone into you know very sort of um, masculine sports. I mean, I was quite lucky; I was able to go into performing arts, so as being being somewhat, you know, I was allowed to be sensitive and, you know, to do that sort of thing that sensitive people do, do you know, not not obviously express mm. myself this way. But I think it's um, that shame is something that often we live with for a long time, don't we? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. well, the shame as a child was you know, growing up and through my teens and, and all the secrecy and sneaking off to buy and all that stuff, which I knew was... Which I was told was being shameful because society told me it was shameful. You know, there was no positive depictions in the media. There were, you know, growing up, there were two significant elements. There was a problem called the change of sex. Um, Julia, I think her name was, in this, I think that was the yes. 70s, late 80s. I think she's recently passed away. And I read the book, uh, Jan Morris's autobiography. Who was a oh, yes. and I, used to, I used to sneak to the library as a teenager to find books on you know talk from trans people and things like that yeah. um but that was a shame bit because i knew that's not how i was treated and i you know no as i say i wasn't um as a child sort of infeminate and playing with you know girl toys that was i didn't i just you know i'm no different and i don't think that defined me but i knew in myself i felt shameful because i was i had this terrible secret yeah and again, through adult life, it was having a secret made me feel shameful. So I had this big secret yeah. that nobody knew that that's who I was, and and, yeah. and that's what that's why shame has been run through, and that's so damaging. It was, you know, it was damaging to me at the time. It was so damaging to young people. So yeah, that's a common, uh, common thing. Ho hopefully, the, the way things are, take aside the media, but things are changing now. And that, like, yes, and it's an interesting thing in general therapy work, you know that that we have to learn to self-accept, don't we? have to, you know, we're, we're expected to accept other, others, but we often find it very hard to accept ourselves. And I think maybe people in our world have a particular problem with that. And often this is the thing that often leads to this sort of Venn diagram between mental health issues, mental well-being ch challenges, and being trans. So there's a sort of a big overlap between that, isn't there? And a lot of people, you know, figure out that the mental issues or the mental health issues come from and the fact that you're suppressing your trans side yeah it's not it, it, absolutely i talk about this you know being trans is not a mental illness absolutely mm. not being trans and non-binary is not a mental illness the, um, our mental health is affected by society our place of either trying to have to suppress who we are or just the fact that society particularly at the moment is seems to to not want to treat us very well um and that affects our mental health yeah uh, um you know and um you know, and there's things that happen to me that you know almost regard as almost traumatic around this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll go in future episodes okay. to talk about that maybe. So, 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 just bring this section to an end. Then, what sort of top tip would you give me in this sort of where I am now? This a, am I? What's your top tip to to deal with this? Am I trans enough? What would you be your suggestion? Well, first of all, everybody is trans enough. You can be trans without transitioning. If that's not 
what you're able to do and you need to do. And you could be trans if you transition that kind of there's no doubt but that trans is about your innate sense of your identity being different than you assigned at birth. Simply simply put. So you're trans enough. I've always you know and I'm I've always when I spoken to people, first things first, I think there's no one size fits all. It's about balance. Some people's balance can be that they may not live full time in the gender that they know they are. And that might be for that may be for practical reasons, that may be for whatever slight reasons. If that's if that's right for you, that is right for you. And there's nobody should ever criticize anybody for doing that, right? For being who they are. Yeah. Um, so I I, I I object to that 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 term. I was trans before I transitioned full time. I yeah. was there was a point in my life where I was working not as Jenny, because that was a barrier to overcome. But outside of life, I was living woman, and I'm no different as a person then and now. I just appeared differently, you know, once I transitioned. So absolutely, um, say everybody who's trans is trans enough. We're all we're all got our own struggles and things in that. And I find in the balance is I was in the port in the balance for whatever's right for you in that balance. Yeah. And that will change, you know, some people at one, some point in life, it's okay just to be yourself at certain points in your life that may progress to becoming your full-time life. It may not do. It doesn't, it, it, it is, there's no judgment there. Great. Good tips. Thank you very much. Um, so, okay. I thought it'd be useful to have a little segment about the news and, um, Sometimes this is our chance to sort of grind our gears a little bit. And uh, if you want to go off on one, you can. Um, but I just want to say one word. And the only thing in the news that I've been reading about recently, uh, to a certain extent, is the word Brianna. So I just yeah. wondered where, what your take on this was. I think it's it, it's so sad. So Brianna Jai, I'm sure most of you were aware, was uh, the young girl that was, uh, was murdered, um, uh, stabbed. Um, and a terrible tragedy, um, absolutely terrible tragedy. Um, but a tragedy becomes compounded, I think. You know, I think what was, re was really sad about, about Brianna, because a couple of things made me think about that. I mean, she was a beautiful young girl. She was murdered, you know, brutally murdered. And um, when the, there's two things. When the newspapers found out that she was trans, I'm aware that one, one of the broadsheets changed their copy on their website to remove the word girl and she and, and use gender neutral terms, which I just think is so pointlessly cruel to do that. Because it's very clear Brianna knew exactly who she was. She's been, you know, she, I was she suffered bullying for, for who she was yeah. and, and navigate that. You don't do this, you know, you don't go to that pass on a whim. I mean, you know, she knew who she was. She was 16, but knew who she was. That's sad. It's also, I think, really sad that under the current outdated, unprogressive laws in this country that a birth certificate will list her as male. Yeah. Not even dignity uh, in death. And I think yeah. it's brought a sharp relief when people say, well, it's 16. Can you know at 16? Of course you know at 16. And, and the laws we've got just don't give, even give us dignity. In that. I yeah. think it's really sad. One is really... Um, overwhelming is the amount of support that we've seen for Brianna and the vigils that are happening up and down this country. And it's great to see how many people do support the community, support Brianna and do support the community. Yeah. That's heartening. And there's been an out, outpouring of grief yeah. around uh, around this particular case. So, um, yeah, I think people will remember Brianna Jai's name for a long time. I think 
there's been suggesting that when we re eventually reform some of the law that we can call that Brianna's law and that sounds right. like a, a very good idea to me it it does seem a tragic uh circumstance but there is it, it's like certain events in the states and shoot rugby king and Ooh. all that sort of stuff there there yeah. seems to be a there seems to be a pivot point isn't there there's something is so i don't know what the word is so horrendous i suppose not the right adjective but you know what i mean okay. it sort of cuts through the public consciousness doesn't it and it does it, it does and 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 brianna's case has because yes there's been plenty more and particularly in america there's been a real problem with violence against black trans women yeah. we know that we've we've seen that so um it's not isolated cases but um those those names and i can give you two i can give you just two other names i i have them sometimes on slides behind me at work this week um there's alice Litton, who was a young trans uh, a trans woman who took her life after waiting a thousand days for NHS support in wow. this country. And there's a currently an inquest and, and, and there's questions being raised about whether that, you know, um, informed uh, what she did. And the other is, um, the other name I remember for 10 years ago is Lucy Meadows. And people in the community remember Lucy Meadows. Lucy Meadows is a trans woman, a teacher who was hounded in the press, mm. who was, um, to the point where a petition was made up and she lost her job and she took her life and the coroner called out the treatment in the media the bullying in the media those are three names that stuck with me yeah. of people of trans people in our community who who we've lost for different reasons but those are what can happen uh, to people in our community and sorry if that's somber but i think it's important to note these are important milestones you know yeah. uh, and brianna definitely is one of those and uh, and and What's what you said there was very interesting because what you said was it showed also the depth of support for us as well, didn't it? Yes. And I think and I think sometimes we can get lost in the horror without seeing that it brought our community together. And sometimes our community is a bit fractious with itself. I mean, that's only my own personal experience, and no. not everybody, obviously. But um, we're not always the kindest people to ourselves. But also the fact is that. It did show some level of support. I think that was very encouraging. And I think um, whilst we know there's a sort of, and we'll talk about this in other episodes, but we we know there's a sort of deliberate media policy to ex, you know, to make us a sort of a victim, give us a victim yeah. statement as a, a minority community, to allow, to allow people to push through legislation around us. But um, it is it isn't. Sometimes it's quite reassuring to know that on the whole, the great British public are quite okay. I think that's a positive point of this I always try and remind myself of that there's a there's a dissonance a disconnect between what I read in the media seeing the media that upsets me to the point of tears sometimes and actually yeah. what I experience in day-to-day -day life I live I live in Stoke-on-Trent I'm proud to live in Stoke-on-Trent um the parts of Stoke-on-Trent are maybe not the most progressive parts of the country we used to have far-right politics where I live um and I you know I, I don't live in the poshest area but I've never seen anything but love and acceptance for people on my street yeah. And I used to go out the door fearful that people were laughing. They weren't. They're all lovely. Every morning I go out my, I open my terrace door and people must say, hi, Jen. There's a disconnect between actually how I feel accepted day to day, you know, and actually what I see in the media. And I think let's not forget that. that there is so much yeah. support out there for us. It is just at the moment it's a bit weird. But yes. um, yeah, I, I, it's one of the things when you're worried, actually, day to day, everybody I meet has been nothing. I've never I've not received any any, any yeah. abuse outside of today. 
Um, so, and I always think that's great. And that, that these individuals showed that they weren't just trans people there. There were a whole community coming out to support. There were trans people, there were cisgender people, people yeah. from the LGBT community and people who are not from the LGBT community. Yeah. And that's, that's positive. I mean, that's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, you know, and not to trivialize it, but it is nice to finish on a positive note. And um, yeah, it's important. And, and so I'm just wondering what the week ahead looks like for you, Jen, before we meet again. What's anything exciting coming up in your life? Oh, um, um, I'd, I'd be excited. If, I'm excited for tomorrow because I've got the time to have a day off and have a lie in. And that is ridiculously exciting for me. Um, just work, really, work and um, and, and family at the weekends. But um, yeah, nothing exciting, but I'm happy to not exciting. I quite like the yeah. mundane and I quite like the mundane part of just being a woman. You know, that's fine yeah. for me. Yeah. And I've got, because I'm at the other end of the spectrum, I'm going to a support group next Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I yeah, shall report in and um, tell you more. Because I um, miss those days. That's a great experience in support groups back in the day of, yeah. of, of groups. That's a great fun. Always, uh, they were, there were some good times. They were, so yes. I hope you have fun with that. Brilliant. Well, I'll see you next week. Yeah. See you, Joe. See everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And uh, But as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brickbats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.